This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Glad to have you aboard today. Uh, and without further ado, I want to get to our special guest of the program today. He is the uh, most recent member of the 1,000-point club in the NHL. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion and, as we just mentioned with Elliot, a future Hall of Famer. He is Stephen Stamkos of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and he joins me now. Stephen, thanks so much for doing this. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. You know, there's a there, there's a couple of things here. First first of all, uh, congratulations uh, on joining the 1,000-point club. I know I'm a little bit late saying congrats, but uh, but here we are. It's been a couple of days. But I'm, I'm always curious because players, listen, going back to, you know, minor hockey or junior hockey into the NHL, there's always, you know, your wish list. You know, oh, Stanley Cup is on there, various trophies, um, first goal, first fight, first whatever, international tournaments, gold medals. Um, at what point did you start thinking about, hey, you know what, I might have a shot at 1,000 points here? You know what? Well, first off, thanks uh, for for that. I appreciate it. Um, I don't know if it's really something that is really on your radar until you're getting close to it. Um, It's just one of those things where, like you mentioned, you have a few wish list items once you make it to the NHL. I think the Stanley Cup is on top of every player's list. But, you know, the goal as the goals and the points accumulate, I think, you know, you you start – getting into the hundreds and it's pretty cool. You get the puck point 300, 400, 500. And then I think you just, you know, you keep accumulating and then, you know, a thousand is obviously the kind of the benchmark big number. And, and I knew I had a, a good this season and it's just, as you get closer to it, that's when you really start thinking about it a little more. And, um, We're going to give you a the ceremony in my, we're, we're going to give you a call back, Stephen. Having a hard time with your line here. We'll, we'll pick up that question in a couple of moments. We're being joined by Stephen Stamkos of uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, just having a tough connection right now. We'll we'll get back. And there's a there's a number of things to go over with uh, with Stamkos and that thousand point club. Like there's always been, you know, when you look at Hall of Fame, for example, like there's a a couple of, I guess for forwards certainly there's a couple of what you refer to as maybe barriers of entry or things, you know, certain point demarcations that'll open the door. Um, and it changes generationally depending on, you know, what the, the nature of the play is. You know, 500 goals would always start to open the door um, for uh, for Hall of Fame passage. Certainly 1,000 points will as well. And we have uh, Stephen back on that one. Sorry, you just kind of broke up on us a little bit there, uh, Stephen. Uh, you, were, you were talking about, you know, uh, you know uh, thinking about, you know, when you get close to 1,000 points, that's when you can finally allow yourself to say, I got a shot at this thing. Yeah, I mean, it, like like I was saying, it, it's just something that you just keep going, you keep playing, and, and the points come, and then you get closer to it, and that's when you know you start thinking about it a little bit. I don't I don't think you overthink it by any means, but um, it's certainly a really cool you know benchmark accomplishment in in this league, and I've been fortunate to play with some amazing players. I mean, that's what it really means when you get that many points. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you've been around the league for a long time, and secondly, you've been in a, a pretty fortunate situation where you played with some amazing players, past and present. You know, one of the um, and like, listen, you're going to end up with however many hundred goals as well. I mean, you know, the the one timer is legendary, and I've always, I've I've always wondered um, with you when it comes to your one timer, 
is there a very specific place that you want the puck? I mean, we're talking about pre-shot, pre-shot movement. Like, is there one specific spot that you want, whether it's, you know, Kucherov or Point to, to feed you the puck? Or are you one of these guys that's just like, you know what, just fire it my way. I can shoot it from anywhere. Yeah, I think I take a lot of pride in being able to shoot the puck from many different you know, angles or many different areas. Um, you know, you call it the wheelhouse. Um, you know, there's certain guys that for whatever reason, it needs to be in a, a very specific area for them to get the shot off. I've tried to really pride myself and whether it's front foot, back foot, middle, just try to get, you know, as much of the puck as I can. I mean, the goalies are so good, especially these days. They're so quick. They're so agile. They read yep. the play well. To me, it was always just try to get the puck off as quick as possible so they didn't have an opportunity to set and make mm-hmm. the save. And it's something, you know, I, I, you look you know, way back to a guy like Brett Hall, and you know, I, I work with Adam Oates, and he always talks about how Brett Hall, you could pass it wherever, and he was, he was still going to try to shoot it. It didn't come off great every time, but some of the times it just beat the goalie. And that's something that I, I've always tried to, to get better at. Um, and I think guys know that. Just try to get it over there, and I'm, I'm yeah. going to try to put it on that. You know, that's. Uh, and by the way, for everyone listening, um, you're five goals away from 500. Uh, I, I wonder if there's a, like, if you could pick what your 500th goal looks like. Is it a one-timer? Is it a breakaway? Is it a deflection? If you could pick goal number 500, what does it look like? I mean, uh, ideally, it'd probably be an end-to-end rush where you dangle a few defensemen and, <laughs> and go bar down so you can just watch the replay on, on repeat. But yeah. as we know, um, you take it any way you can get it. Um, I was kind of joking, even the thousandth point, it was the most celebrated second assist I've had in, <laughs> in, in my career. But that's just how it goes. You're, you know, as, as a player, you, you never complain about how it happened. So um, if, I, if I had a choice, that would be it. But uh-huh. we'll see how it plays out. Let me, uh, let me ask you about your team. Um, and considering what we've seen in the past few seasons, even last season against Colorado, um, we've always talked about how on the Tampa Bay Lightning, the playoffs start and there are no more passengers. There with the, 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 the visuals of the revolving door of players going off to get bandaged up and then coming back on as another player goes off. I mean, those are, those are legendary. Uh, we know how hard your team plays. You know, I've, I've maintained that it's, it's the fool that writes off the Tampa Bay Lightning and says things like, oh, they've played too much hockey or all this hockey's catching up to them. They're too tired. They're too banged up. When you hear things like that about your team, what goes through your mind? Well, I mean, you it, that's just people and in, in their opinion. And, you know, you can't argue it. It's It's the truth in terms of the amount of hockey that we've played. But at the same time, when you've had the success that we've had, especially the last three years, you know, winning the two cups, going to the finals last year. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize how contagious that feeling is and how that motivates you even more to get back there. Sure. It would be easy to say, you know, listen, it's been a great stretch. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, we lost a lot of great players in the last three years. We're, you know, a different team than we were. That's, that's just the easy way. And, you know, to be honest, probably not a lot of people would fault us if if we thought that way. But yep. there's just there's just this standard that's been set, um, and that's through past failure before you get to to the top of the mountain, and it scars you a little bit. And then when you get to the top, 
it's just the most unbelievable feeling. And then it becomes addicting. And I think that's what this group um, is all about. And I think that fueled us even more so last year. Sure, we were chasing, you know, three in a row, and that was historic. And you heard the word dynasty being thrown around, and that's motivation in itself. But I just think the players, listen, playoffs are the most fun hockey you're ever going to play in in your life. It's the most competitive. It's the most um, nerve-wracking. It's just all the emotions come out to play in the playoffs. And Mm -hmm. our team has just... We felt comfortable in those moments and we've risen to the occasion and it wouldn't surprise me if we did that again this year. That's just, you know, the goal is to get in the playoffs and then that's when we have the guys that we can feel really confident about um, falling back on our past experience. How, how often, if if ever, I mean, do you and your teammates talk about dynasty? Because we talked a lot about that last year during that Colorado series. Like, woof, three in a row, Tampa. Look out, like, with all due respect to Chicago and Pittsburgh and the two from the Kings, et cetera, like, Tampa pulls this off, considering even what they've done previous. This is this is a dynasty by, by, by modern or, or any standards. How much would you guys talk about that? Like, what this team is doing and, and their place in history? I think it's something you honestly talk about when it's all kind of done and over with. To be honest, mm-hmm. that word didn't get used probably at all within the players. It, it was, like you mentioned, a lot of questions from the media about that, certainly in the finals when we got there and had a chance to do it. But you're you're just in the moment. And, and as an athlete, for the most part, that's where you want to be, um, is just living in that moment. So it was... It was something that was talked about um, through the media and getting asked about that. But I think once those moments were over and, you know, the guys were in the room, it it never got brought up. Um, 30 points in 25 games, including 14 goals so far this season. Last year with the 42, uh, you know, I know everyone talks about, oh, aging curves are real and it's all going to catch up. It doesn't seem to, uh, given, you know, your, your history as well and, whether it's, you know, injuries or playing a lot of postseason games, none of it seems to have caught up to you. Um, you may feel differently, <laughs> but you're overcoming it. Um, right. how, do you, how do you keep doing this? Well, I think there's a few things that go into that. You mentioned it, health first and foremost. I mean, listen, it's a tough enough league to, to produce in when you're feeling the best. And when players aren't feeling their best, um, it's tough. You you need to have a good summer of, of training. You need to feel confident mentally and physically coming into a season. And I think for the past, you know, two and a half years, that's where I've been at. And it's, it's just, you know, it's felt really fun again to get back out there and not have to worry about, you know, anything physically. So I, I'd say that's, you know, kind of first and foremost, obviously we've had a great team and we've had a lot of success as a team mm-hmm. that breeds, you know, confidence in individuals when, you know, you have team success. So there's just, there's so many different variables. Obviously we have a, a lot of talented players that I get to play with as well. Um, and it's just been, you know, hockey's been really, really fun. I mean, when you're rehabbing or going through um, some stuff like that, uh, it it's it's tough it's tough mentally and and that's something that that I really learned over the years and some of the stuff is just it's just bad luck and you can't really do anything about it that's that's mm-hmm. the nature of sport and that's the risk you take but um, I've put in a lot of hard work and I've had <clears throat> some really good summers in in the Toronto area with with Gary Roberts the past couple of years and 
just feeling really confident coming into camp and and it's been paying off. You know, you mentioned you play with uh, a lot of great players, and that's not exactly a secret. And every year it seems as if, you know, with successful teams, you know, the reality is, given the salary cap, you're going to lose teammates. And, you know, this year, whether it was, you know, Ryan McDonough, whether it was Andre Paul, like every year this team makes it harder on itself to be successful. Given given your spot within the organization, um, have you ever found yourself either lobbying to keep someone that you say, oh, you know what, this person, I know what the salary cap means, but this person is so crucial to this team. Are you at that spot or you just say, listen, uh, before Breezeball was Eiserman, that was his decision. It's Julian's now. I stay out of it. You know what, to, to be honest with you, and that's just kind of the way it's been in Tampa is the managers make those decisions and, and the players we – you know, you have trust in what's going to be best for the, for the team, and that's kind of where it's at. So they've obviously done a great job. You know, whether it was Steve or, or Julian, I'd say, you know, obviously you look at the last two players that you mentioned, Ryan McDonough and Andre Platt. If if it was up to the players, we would have begged um, for them to stay. That's how important they were, not only mm-hmm. as players, but as people and friends and teammates and just the relationships that – We've the bonds that we have with especially those two guys who, you know, Pally, you know, 10 plus years, Mac, you know, whatever it was, five years, the sacrifice they both put on the ice. We don't want to see those guys go. So if, if it was up to the, <laughs> up to the players, they, they'd still be here, but we also understand. And that's something that hits even harder with a flat cap and, and after COVID and, and all that, I mean, it just, it's impossible to, to keep all those guys together, especially when you have the success that our team had, because when you have team success, um, players usually get paid pretty well because everyone yep. wants a winner on their team and deservingly so. So it's just, it is the nature. It's, it's very tough, but the management has to do their job um, to put the best product on the ice and look to the future as a player like I said, you're looking at the now. You don't care about the draft picks. You don't care about the the young prospects at the time. You just want to do whatever it takes to win now. Um, that's just selfishly as a player, especially as you get older. You, you know, you're not thinking down the road like the management has to. Mm-hmm. But that's the reality, and I think the players understand that. And as tough as it is to see those guys go, we understand the decisions. Uh, last one for you. Uh, on, on a personal note, you you seem to haunt me. Every, my kid plays with the Waxers, uh, where you played. So whether I'm at Markham Centennial or Markham Village or Mount Joy Arena, uh, there's always a picture of you. Uh, and I tweeted out a picture of you with Del Zotto from one of your many tournament wins from your minor hockey days uh, playing with the AAA Waxers. Uh, for, uh, for hockey parents that might be listening, maybe kids as well, uh, either play in the Waxers organization or elsewhere all across North, North America. Um, a, a quick thought about playing with that organization growing up and sticking with it. And any advice now that you've you know gone through it, got to the NHL, and you, you look back on your on your career in minor hockey, you have a, a word or two for either the parents or the kids? Yeah, I mean, Mar- the Markham Wax organization was, you know, pretty much everything it, it it meant everything to me I, I was there for such a long time we had an amazing core of guys that st- that stuck together for mm-hmm. you know 8 to 10 years we had a great coach in Paul Titanic we had some amazing players it was 
you know, it was a team that was just a great bunch of guys, a great bunch of parents. There was hardly any politics involved. <clears throat> like it, it was just an amazing group of people to, to be around and still friends with a lot of those guys. And my parents are still friends with a lot of the parents on that team. So it was, it was really special looking back on it now. I, I just think, you know, with, with the way, you know, play, kids are playing hockey, you know, 12 months. I always was one of those guys that played different sports in the summer. It was all about how can I be the best athlete, not necessarily the best hockey player. Mm-hmm. And and that's still my advice to today is, you know, sometimes kids need a break from, from skating 12 months of the year. You know, I played baseball. I played lacrosse. I played soccer. Like I played all those different sports and, Looking back, they each helped me in a little way to become a better hockey player. But mm-hmm. it, it was, how can you be the best athlete? And sometimes I see even some of the younger kids that come into the league now, um, and you know they have trouble throwing a football or kicking a soccer ball. They're just strictly hockey, and it's a double-edged sword, right? Because sometimes you see, you know, these parents and kids that are playing hockey all the time, and you feel like your kids getting left behind if if you don't have them there. So I I, I see that, but I I try to tell that anytime I get asked this question is how can your kid become, you know, the best athlete? Because I think that's ultimately what helps you out in, in the end. And uh, it was something that I did and had a lot of success and a lot of fun doing and made some amazing friends along the way, not necessarily from the hockey world. And um, that's what I try to instill. Even, you know, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and my three-year-old is, kind of getting into all the sports and and I love it and he loves it and it's it's fun to fun to watch that is a very very healthy answer um and thanks for that uh Stephen thanks so much for stopping by I know it's always a busy time for you I really appreciate you taking some uh, some time out especially to wax poetic about the waxers thanks so much as always for stopping by yeah no my pleasure thanks for having me uh Stephen Stamkos of the Tampa Bay Lightning next in action tomorrow against the Nashville Predators be the best athlete you can be, folks. Uh, thanks to Steven Stamkos and the Tampa Bay Lightning for making him available. Uh, quick break. Coming back with MVSW Redux. Yes, it is once again Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. Don't go anywhere. Yes, we'll talk more about that New Jersey aha Chico Resh thing. Don't go, don't go anywhere. You'll like this. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome back to the program. Just wrapping up another edition. Thanks, as always, for stopping by and joining me today uh, across the Sportsnet Radio Network or Sportsnet 360 to say nothing of Sportsnet now. I am loath to give you praise, but a good job getting Stamkos today. He, oh, he's always one of my favorite people to talk to. We've had him on the podcast a few times, and he delivers every time. He's a thoughtful dude. He is. That's a Brian Breesman. Thank you very much to Brian. Brian's the best. I love Brian. Stammer's good. Yeah, he was great. Uh, Marie-Philippe Poulain. Hey. Northern Star. I think it's called the Northern Star Award. Mm-hmm. Formerly the Lou Marsh. Yep. Uh, named the Athlete of the Year for Canada. Very well deserving, as she should be considered really every single year. It's been quite a week. Last week, she went into the uh, the Boston University Athletics Hall of Fame. Shoe in, dropped the puck, of course. Um, as she finished the program with, it was like his a uh, eighty-one goals, hundred assists, hundred and eighty-one points. 
just like breaking sticks and then just starts, you know, winning gold medals. And I remember a, a, a quick story about her. So I remember this would have been Team Canada Orientation Camp 2009 in Calgary. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking Cassie, I'm like, who of the new players should I? So we're going in there, going to watch the guys, obviously. And we're going to watch the women as well. But I wanted to get a better handle on who I should be watching on the women's side. Yeah. And I said, from from the new crop, the younger the younger players, not the established ones that we all know, who should I pay attention to? And like right away, Cassie's like, oh, Marie-Philippe Poulin. Marie-Philippe, you got to watch. I'm like, okay. So I remember I was <clears throat> at the rink and the guys were skating after and the women were skating and, you know, Pronger wanders in and Niedermeyer wanders in. And I was standing at the glass with Craig Button and Steve Coolius. And we were watching the women skate and Vinny LeCavalier came by. And he stands there and he watches a little bit. He's watching a little bit more. And you're always curious when elite level players look at other elite level players, yeah. like what goes, what goes through their mind and who he was going to notice. So the first thing that LeCavalier says is, who's number 29? And I said, oh, she's a new new kid, you know, Marie-Philippe Poulain, going to be a star next Haley or whatever. He watches a little bit more and he goes, she can effing play. <laughs> and then and then wandered away. I'm just like, okay, talent, it. you know, talent knows talent. Like yep. when, 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 and listen, like she's the greatest, like she is, you know, not just one of the greatest, you know, you say, oh, she's the greatest women, female hockey player to ever play. And she is. Mm-hmm. I think we're all on the same page about that. I just think she's one of the best athletes this country has ever produced, period. And... If you look at the history of clutch performances, yeah, clutch performances, has there ever been, again, I'll go to male, female, animal, vegetable, whatever. Yep. Has there ever been a more clutch hockey player than Marie-Philippe Poulin? No. No. All she all she does is score big goals. Oh, she does more than she, that. But I know, she, but, but, like, like, that's, but that's, the, that's the pinnacle, right? Like yeah. when you score game-winning goal after game-winning goal in big moments, how yeah. many people can say that they do that? No, I know. That's like I know that there's not really a there's not a stat to determine what clutch is, but she's it. Oh yeah. She I mean, is she is the stat. Yeah, no, she's clutch Marie Philippe Poulain. Well that's done. It. Well deserved. Like that's that's one you look at and you go, like, yeah, there's no hot take there. It's no. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, she's the goat. Yeah. That's, that's right. It. Speaking of uh oh, we got a couple minutes. Uh speaking so. of goat, so we always talk about Alex Ovechkin and how many games he's missed. And in the chase for Gretzky's right. goals record. Why don't we talk about Sidney Crosby and and maybe what what could have been had he stayed healthy? He's missed two hundred and I think it was eighty six games yeah. over the course of his career. If you take his points per game, yep. and stretch it out, and I know there's odds and ends, but that's where we're at. Okay, where do you think he would rank among all time scorers if he had played every game? Well, how many points would that have given him? Like, just say it's let's, let's like eighteen hundred and two. Well, that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points, Jeffrey. <laughs> Fifth. Fifth all time? We would be talking about Sidney Crosby, second greatest point scorer of all time, had he been healthy. So there, there's a few things here because eventually Alex Ovechkin, and you can even make the argument that he's already there, you know, even though Wayne Gretzky has the record, when you look at goal scorers, I mean, the trophy's named after Rocket Richard. So, and we've looked at Rocket, oh, the greatest goal scorer of all time, pure goal scorer, et cetera. You can throw Mike Bossy into that conversation. Ovechkin knocks him off. Yep. Like if you're putting a Mount Rushmore together, Ovechkin knocks him off. Mm-hmm. Is there someone that Sydney knocks off? I hate to be that guy, but it's probably Gordy Howe. That's the one, yep. Gordy Howe, because he's not knocking Wayne, he's not knocking Mario. No, and that and that's when we talk about Sidney Crosby, 
and I was always an Ovechkin guy over Crosby for whatever reason. You were, eh? Yeah, but I have an I have an appreciation for Sidney Crosby's game and what he's meant to and how he continues to play. Mm-hmm. We should be talking about Sidney Crosby in the same way that we talk about Bobby Orr and Mario Lemieux in terms of what could have been had they been healthy. Because remember, Sidney mm. Crosby, Crosby missed a lot of games in the peak of his powers. And he's still putting up numbers now, but right in the middle of that career, yeah. there's a lot of missed games. Still remember that game when he came back against the Islanders, first shift, end-to-end, splits the defense. Yeah, he's fine. No big deal. No big deal. Just Sidney Crosby. That is interesting. 800? 1,800? 1,800 points. That's a lot of points. He's good. Uh, thanks to Rick Wyshynski from ESPN for stopping by every Wednesday right here on the program. Thanks to Stephen Stamkos of the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, who was fantastic. And parents out there, take Stammer's advice. Athlete first, hockey player second, and as always... Elliot Friedman. Uh, the Wild and the Flames. Scotiabank Wednesday night hockey this evening. Pre-game gets underway at 7.30 Eastern. Puck drops just after 8. Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Thanks for joining me today. Merrick show back on the air tomorrow, noon Eastern, across the Sportsnet radio network. Sportsnet now and Sportsnet 360. Enjoy the rest of your day.